and welcome to episode four of Till Film Do Us Part with me, Chris. And me, Maria. Let's dive straight into it this week. What have we been watching, Maria? It's just been one of those weeks where every time we sat down to watch the films that we wanted to watch, we were just too tired, as per usual, and we ended up watching random episodes of things. Um, so we've uh, made some progress on the Welcome to Wrexham show, um, which we've been enjoying and watched a few more episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. And then we managed to go to the cinema again this week to watch Babylon. Um, don't want to give any spoilers, but it was a waste of time. And then we watched Argentina 1985 at home on Amazon Prime. And yeah, we're going to talk about those. So what can you tell us about Welcome to Wrexham, apart from the fact that it stars your crush, Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, so obviously a fairly interesting backstory to Hollywood actors deciding to buy um, a non-league football club in England. Um, so it's a very interesting show just following that whole process and, uh, you know, anything that Ryan Reynolds is in is usually pretty feel-good and, and is enjoyable to watch. There's some bits that are a little bit cringe from a British perspective or even, yeah, anyone that where football is the main sport in that country because they do over-explain a few things because obviously it's targeted for a more American audience. Yeah. Um, but the show itself is is really good. Don't you feel like it's getting a bit... You just want to get to the end, right? You just want to get to, like, what... Do they succeed? Do they move on from their from the league where they've been stuck for, for so many years? Because I feel like we, we had a look at how many episodes we had left, thinking, oh, it might be a couple, and then it was, like, ten episodes left. So it's a very long documentary, if you can call it that. Yeah, I think it's... Well, it's interesting, right? Because obviously you set out to make this documentary before you know the result of the first season and the second season. Yeah. So they've obviously been going recording for quite a while now. It's a little bit like um, Amazon Prime did a few series of um, these all or nothing shows where they spent a full season with like Manchester City. Uh, in the changing room, they have a lot of access that you wouldn't normally have insight into Pep's management style, coaching, the players, all this stuff. And the first one that they did, I think, in the football scene was Man City. And they happened to do it in a year when they won the title. So that's a brilliant show. Very, very, very good. And then they tried to recreate that and do that with Tottenham Hotspur, I think. And um, they did one, I think, with Arsenal. And the result at the end of the season wasn't obviously as positive. So it's a different perspective, but they weren't quite as successful because you're not watching... I guess a recipe for success because you kind of already know or they finished fourth or they you know mm-hmm. they 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 failed to qualify for the Champions League stuff like that so there's a little bit of that here they're obviously not immediately successful um, but the whole aspect of them getting involved in a non-league football team uh, in that means a lot to a community in the north of Wales is just very random and very enjoyable so I would recommend giving it a watch it's one of those where the episodes are not long at all and you can kind of just watch it a bit at a time when you've got not enough energy to to muster to watch a film i was quite reluctant to watch it but i have to say i've really been enjoying you know the culture side of football in the uk coming from a team that you know were pretty amazing it's been quite interesting to see yeah you um i guess got a nice introduction to the idea of British culture when watching 
around football and watching Ted Lasso, right? Yeah, Ted Lasso taught me a lot, um, including things that I didn't need to be taught because, you know, there's a lot of um, local expressions. And I just uh, remember that time that we were doing our shopping in our local St. Louis and I called you wanker because I thought that meant idiot because they say it a lot on the show. I thought it was a family show, even though they do swear a lot. And then you told me I could not say that out loud. I could not call you that. And it absolutely did not mean what I thought it meant. So I'm learning loads. Yeah, we might actually have to put a, a, an age rating on the podcast now. <laughs> Learn how to, to, to bleep. Um, so yeah, enjoyable show, I yeah. would, would recommend. Um, so then I guess next up, we, you can talk a little bit about The Handmaid's Tale and where we are with that. Yes, so we are on season five, last season. Um, we started watching it and then I think it was the season break, which ended up in, in, a, ended in a cliffhanger and we left it there. And then I don't know, for whatever reason, we just, because we've been watching all this stuff and getting into other shows and films, we sort of forgot about it. And I was browsing, I don't remember what streaming service, and it just came up with like new episodes. And I thought, oh, maybe they just released one. And no, there's like five or six. Um, it's a show that I've enjoyed since the beginning. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I've loved the whole story. And I think every season... You know, you might think this starts maybe a bit weaker than the season before and somehow it surprises you. Um, and I have, you know, I, I feel like I suffer so much more watching it since becoming a mum. However, you had sort of fell out of love with it and you weren't that interested until the last episode we watched. What were your thoughts? Yeah, so again, I'll try and avoid spoilers. In general, these shows for me, they have typically have a certain shelf life. And there's a theme to the show and at a certain point you kind of want to see it come towards a conclusion. And the first half of this season kind of felt like they were just trying to find ways to keep it going. Um, you know, a bit forced, maybe. Yeah, it's like, oh, June's going to do something crazy again and we're going to end up in another situation. Um, so I, I was a bit frustrated with the show in that sense because they were making some decisions that I didn't think were... <laughs> particularly good you do um, disagree a lot with some of the decisions they because you tend to be more cautious whereas i think the main characters are a bit more you know just go go for it and yeah they're impulsive um but this last episode i think a uh, big twist in there um a lot of conflicting emotions some really good acting and it really sort of brought me back into wanting to know what happens next so that's really what you want out of these long-running tv shows um, especially when they're dramas is you want to feel like you can't wait to watch the next episode and i hadn't felt like that for a while but this uh, this latest episode kind of brought me back up to to that feeling which is good yeah so we're just gonna um get up to speed with the episodes before we sort of like choose the next show that we're going to get into because we've been considering a few of the you know the ones that have received awards lately, such as Elementary, um, Atlanta. So we'll have to decide on one. So in the meantime, we'll just carry on watching The Handmaid's Sale. Um, and then moving on to films. So yeah, we went to the, the cinema this week. Uh, shout out to my dad for babysitting. Very helpful. Um, but he was really a waste of his time, a waste of my time. Yeah, it just made me think of that comment that Colin Farrell made on the Variety 
um, roundtable with like, actors of the most important films of the year, what he said that eventually what he wants is do people not feel that when they go to the cinema they've wasted their time? Well, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like those were three hours of my life that I'm never getting back. And it's... I was so disappointed, particularly because I really like Damien Chazelle and I really like his work. And I know that people have either love or hate, but I loved La La Land. Um, Whiplash is an absolute masterpiece. So we were sort of expecting something, if not better, as equally good as that. Um, and I don't know, I was just very disappointed. Yeah, for me, a film being three hours long, it needs to be, there needs to be a reason for it to be three hours long. I think of great three hour long films. You're talking, you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. The you're talking of Wall Wolf of Wall Street. You're talking, you're talking the, you know, the Godfather. These are the kind of films that you're running for three hours and all of them never really feel slow. Um, because they're trying to pack so much story into the movie and they kind of have to run that long. I remember my biggest frustration very randomly with Harry Potter films because I was a big Harry Potter book fan was that the films weren't... I mean, what? <laughs> the, the, the films Chris, weren't... Chris, <laughs> you're betraying yourself. If your family listens to this, you're going to be in big trouble. I am still a massive Harry Potter book fan, but the f- films I just felt weren't long enough to actually express the, the books and tell the full story, which very random side note um but yeah we should probably get into the actual film and why we didn't love it um yeah but first let's give a little background of what the film is about so it's a film set in the roaring 20s in hollywood it sort of depicts the you know the cinema industry and particularly moving from silent film to sound in film and how that affected people in the industry because actors that were very good as silent actors all of a sudden found themselves failing as, you know, actors with their own voice. Um, and also talks about a bit the the luck that could get you from being no one to all of a sudden being a massive star and the impact that that could have in one's life. Um, so the, the premise is good and it was very interesting. It just felt a little bit, you know... It was very in your face. I think it also covers the transition from Hollywood as a place where there was a lot of depravity and parties and drugs and all this stuff to a more conservative place towards the the second half of the movie when, you know, we are getting a little bit later in the timeline. Um, but yeah, the film opens, again, I'm not going to get too many spoilers, but the film opens with a scene of a very large fat man being urinated on by a younger woman and that's how I felt watching this film (laughs) it was just too much all the time it was gross it was I was gonna ask you have you ever (laughs) no it, it was it was it was in your face and it was sorry that was really weird it was a proper assault on your senses for for the majority of the film in a way that didn't feel particularly necessary to the storyline that they were playing. I'm I'm obviously joking about that opening scene, but they spent the first 30 minutes of the film, a whole 30 minutes at a drug sex-fueled party in the desert somewhere in, in Hollywood. And obviously it gives them an opportunity to introduce characters 
but to spend 30 minutes, which would normally be like a quarter of a full film, just on this ridiculous display, you know, with an elephant in the party and people, you know, having sex out in the open, all this stuff was just for me set the the tone for the whole film which was this is some sort of strange obsession with hollywood and and again what is with all the female nudity you see so many you honestly during the first half an hour of the film i've never seen so many boobs at once in one same place and no male nudity at all why yeah so i think um, in terms of the rest of the film. Sorry, I'm annoyed. It happened, it happened again. Or like Game of Thrones. And like, it's just, it really annoys me. Yeah. Um, in terms of the rest of the film. Not that I'm keen to see male nudity. <laughs> I just think. We can go and see Magic Mike when it comes out. Okay. I don't think he even, I've seen the trailer. It doesn't look that, you know, revealing anyway. Um, yeah, I think the rest of the film, it, for me, the first half uh, if you can kind of tone down the crazy scenes a little bit, was valuable. Like the yeah. stories that it told, the the premise, like you say, of the movie moving from silent film to film with sound, and how that what that meant for certain actors was really good. For example, um, an actor getting hammered before his scene in a silent movie is a lot easier to hide than an actor getting drunk before a scene in a talking film. And it's based on. Um true people is based on true events the the characters that are portrayed by Marco Robbie and Brad Pitt are actually you know they're based on 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 real actors but um and I think one of them in particular the reason why he didn't succeed in spoken film is because the audience with his sort of like appearance build a voice in their heads and then his the pitch of his voice was completely different to what the audience expects. And all of a sudden, those films didn't work anymore. And those people were had been massive stars. And all of a sudden, they were ruined. Um, and, you know, Brad Pitt looks amazing. Um, Margot Robbie looks amazing. And they're, you know, I think their performances are very good. It's just in general, the film fell a bit... As, as loud as it was, it felt a bit... And, and there's stuff happening all the time, but yet it felt tedious and it felt... I really did feel like I was sat on that chair for three hours, which I haven't felt with other films. Um, there was, again, not to give a lot of spoilers, it's packed with um, celebrities and sort of, you know... Um, cameos. Cameos. But there's one in particular... That is about 20, there's a, a whole storyline that takes about 20 minutes long in the film that you could just cut that bit of the film and it doesn't make, that that bit doesn't make any, has an, it doesn't have any impact on the film, it doesn't make any changes, it doesn't tell you anything new. It's are, we, just, are, we, are we talking about Tommy, Toby Maguire? Here? It's completely random, completely random and creepy and all of a sudden I thought I was watching a horror film and Tobey Maguire doesn't look good. I think... <laughs> no, he doesn't. I think the point... I think he was going to originally be playing Charles Chaplin in the film, but then they just decided to, like, come up with this whole different character where he's, like, a mafia person. Anyway, if if you decide to watch the film, which I generally view value your time in your life, don't. Not even at the cinema or at home. Don't watch it. But when you get to that scene, you'll understand what we mean. It's just... 
was like, dude, what are you doing here? And like, why are you wasting money creating these scenes? And like, you know, I just, all I could think of is like, what, 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 what is this? What am I watching? Why is this here? So I don't know. I just, it really bothers me because we don't get to go to the cinema that often. And when you do, you do like coming out of the cinema with that feeling of like, wow, that was a really good film. I really enjoyed that. And last week we watched Avatar, which was great, great special effects. But again, not like a wow, I loved it. And then same this week, so. Well, no, I think I think you're doing Avatar a disservice. I'm pretty sure we both gave it a, like an eight last week on, on on the pod. Maybe it was a seven. I'm not sure. The pod. So yeah, I. Chris is getting comfortable in this meeting. <laughs> the um, yeah, obviously I did read a little bit on the on the the film and. They did imply that this film was a little bit Marmite in the sense that some people will love it and some people will hate it. So um, certainly if you do still feel like you want to give it a go, give it a go. Now Maria's told you all about the amount of female nudity, there'll probably be some listeners that will make a beeline for the cinema now. Um, I would like, if someone watches it, please, and if you go to the cinema and watch this film and love it, do get in touch because I'm very keen to know why um right let's go to the point rating chris what's your score out of 10 for babylon i'm gonna give it a five what about you i think i rated it a five on imdb i'm pretty sure when i came off the cinema i told you that wasn't even a two but so yeah i think that the cinematography that you know there's there's things if you want to be generous there's things to appreciate so yeah, I think that's why I came to, right, is that the during the cinema, the last 30 minutes, I was so ready to leave and go home, and I just wasn't happy with, yeah, the whole last hour of the film, essentially. But when I got a little bit of time to reflect, there are some incredible scenes in the movie. There is some real value in them sort of showing how some films were shot back in the 1920s. Um, out in open fields with, you know, people fighting and scrapping and for, for real, basically, yeah, and think equipment getting broken and just the sheer hectic nature of filmmaking back in those times and that transition into studio shooting where sound was very important and everybody had to be very quiet and all these things were very important where you were positioned on set with the mic and stuff. All that was really, really good. So it had a lot of value. I, I could give it a six, to be fair, but I'm going to stay on a five because uh, it annoyed me so much, essentially, the last hour of the film. I read earlier today that Toby Maguire actually produced the film. Do you think that's why he decided he was just going to copy-paste a random story onto it? Maybe he just wanted that that part, right? But... I think if you're going to do that, you've got to take the Tarantino route and make yourself like a one-line extra. Yeah. You, know, you can't be you can't be taking on such a pivotal role. But anyway, that's probably enough on Babylon, considering we're not strongly recommending it for people to watch. Um, so maybe let's talk a little bit about Argentina 1985. What a film. Like, I, I, was, I wanted to watch this film for a very long time. We sat down to watch it about five times and we never actually did because we were too tired, two hours, a very important subject. So we didn't, it's just one of those films that you want to be fully alert when you're watching it because you want to pay attention, you want to take it all in. Um, I absolutely loved it. Chris, why did we decide to watch this film? 
Yeah, so we picked this one out because it won the best foreign language film at the Golden Globes. Um, so we were interested in seeing it, and also Maria's a big Ricardo Darín fan. Yeah, I I think I I've there's not been one film that he's been in that I've not absolutely loved. He's such a good actor. I think he just captivates you so much from the beginning with all of his characters. And this film had a very particular subject. They basically talk about the first civil trial that judged members of the military for the crimes they committed during the dictatorship. Because they, you know, there were disappearances, they tortured people, they forced people to exile. You know, people were like kidnapped from the streets. Um, So it's essentially about the group of lawyers that put together the evidence to, you know... To charge the leaders of the military, right? The different areas, because... Essentially, there were thousands of despicable acts. Um, this this film is extremely moving, um, quite emotional at times because some of the th- stories that you will hear about the things that went on during that dictatorship are truly harrowing. Um, and yeah, I think the idea behind the film in terms of what was valuable for us is we I you know I learned about something entirely new I didn't know anything about the history of Argentina I didn't know about the military dictatorship and this whole period in their history so that was very interesting uh, and like I say the stories that you hear are also um difficult to to listen to and it made for a very good emotional film and I think it's it's so interesting when you watch a film about a period in time and a and a different country that you don't know about because it if it's good enough in this case it was really really good it makes you after the film want to research and know a little bit more about that period in history so I think it sort of adds something to you beyond just watching the film um, one of the interesting things is that when they were putting together sort of like the team it was a very dangerous time so being the the prosecutor in this case was you know they'd received thousands of death threats and so there was a, a massive challenge that came with it i let's let's mention scores first chris what would you score it it was an eight for me i really liked the way that they shot the film they had bits of the film where you would see camera shots within the movie and it would have that like retro feel to make you really feel like you're watching it on tv in the 1980s um, and yeah, like I say, very moving film. Very, uh, I, I like courtroom films in general. Uh, I really enjoy that yeah, whole yeah. genre. So yeah, it was a it was a good film for me. Yeah, I'd say I'll give it a an eight. I thought we were going to disagree more this time. Not on this one. I thought on Babylon, you really disappointed me with that five. Um, but yeah, no, this this is a it's a brilliant film. Like I said, um, I'm a huge fan of Ricardo Darín, and I would definitely, you know, I've, I've got a massive list of films that I could recommend. Um, but yeah, it's just, you, you get into the character and like the characters sort of like course and his life really early on because he convinces you very much. Um, and it's just absolutely heartbreaking. Like you said, like hearing some of the testimonies because, you know, it's, it's all based on, on true events and, and they're all based on, you can see then after the film footage of these people giving their testimony. So you know that it's all, you know, probably exactly as it happened. So some of the things are just unimaginable. And 
to think that a lot of part of society were still supporting the military and were such, you know. Yeah, there's a big culture of fascism at the time. Um, probably explains why so many Nazis sort of fled to Argentina because um, they probably find, found a lot of people that sympathize with their, their ideologies. Um, yeah, and I was just surprised I'd not heard more about this in the past. Um, quite a significant genocide, really, and um, just violating human rights, left, right and centre. Um, but often in, in these cases, they can tend to try and pin it down to individual acts of, um, you know, people that can be disciplined internally within the military, whereas this was a case of let's bring charges from a civil uh, perspective and how can we actually get the top guys? How do we get the leaders? Because this was clearly a coordinated effort across different um, areas of the military, Navy, Air Force, Army. Um, so their essential, you know, their burden is to try and prove that this was consistent enough that it was part of a plan rather than individual acts. Um, and but a very interesting story. Like Maria says, the legal team... Uh, obviously not many people would take on a case like this because it comes with the death threats and the just also not just the death threats but how you're viewed in society because like you say there's still a lot of support for fascism in society yeah which means that depending on how the trial goes you might be ruining your career and being out of a job forever yeah um, and also yeah just sort of socially excluding yourselves from because people are going to know you as that guy that was trying to put you know, military leaders behind bars. Um, and so basically he can't get an experienced team to help him. Uh, and he ends up getting a group of fairly young people. Students even. Yeah, just to, to basically do the grunt work and the interviews and, and gather all this evidence. And they do an amazing job. Uh, and some of the dialogue in the film is brilliant. Uh, the characters themselves are in, like, inspirational. The prosecutors, and I would definitely recommend watching this film yeah so it's available on amazon prime um as we mentioned it got it got the golden globe for um best foreign language so the film is in spanish um we would definitely recommend watching any foreign films in their native language and with subtitles because listening to dubbed film is just terrible and it will put you off watching the film so do watch yeah. it in spanish Make sure you can pay attention. You don't don't watch it whilst eating your dinner because you'll need to follow those those subtitles. Okay, so to wrap up, Oscar nominations are out. Any surprises? Any? Not really. I mean, well, very happy that everything, everywhere, all at once got about eleven nominations. Was it? Yeah, this is making us look really good. If you haven't listened to episode three of the podcast, please go back watch the film first. Amazon Prime. And listen to episode three where we cover that film and we gave it great reviews and obviously the Academy's paid attention because they've nominated it. Do you think they've listened to our podcast? I'm pretty to sure. To our pod. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, um, well, we're not going to, you know, go over all the categories because if you can listen to this podcast, you probably have access to the internet and you can just Google it. It was really nice to see that Stephanie Hsu got a nomination because we did talk about her performance um, so did Jimmy Lee Curtis um, for for the film, and so like surprisingly, and really like shockingly is the word, um, Michelle Yeoh is the first Asian woman to ever get an Academy Award nomination, which is crazy considering That's it's twenty twenty three. 
So just only for that, I really hope she wins. Yeah, I think that would be amazing to see. Uh, but yeah, we'll get probably into uh, the Oscars when the awards come out. Uh, we might do another little section in a future podcast. Yeah, and we'll probably have a look at in, in depth at all the nominations and try to watch as many films as possible so we can give our expert opinion on the winners. Yeah. So let's wrap up then for this week. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.